0: Listeners, it's Rose. And I'm Gabe. And we are running unopposed. Uh, and we apologize for the lack of episode last week. It got a little hectic, and we just weren't quite able to get it done. We will attempt to be on a regular schedule moving forward. But for now, as compensation, Gabe has prepared a real banger for us, so he tells me.
1: Yep, so, uh, week so in keeping with the theme of odd and possibly unstable Americans. This week, we're going to talk a little uh, bit about a guy named Joshua Norton. Ooh, yes. How much do you yes. know about him?
0: Uh, I know a little bit, but I'm not going to say anything. I'll let you introduce him. Yeah.
1: How much do you stuff. know about him, if I may uh, ask? Uh,
0: I mean, do you want me to, like, give a basic overview of who he was?
1: Oh, no, I'm just wondering, like, what you what you know about him.
0: Oh, I know a decent bit. Oh, really? Yeah, but I, I, I'm not going to say anything.
1: Oh, okay. So... Let's just get right into it, okay? Joshua Abraham Norton was born in eighteen eighteen to a Jewish couple, John and Sarah, residing in London. God, happened... I,
0: I didn't even know he was Jewish. That's so awesome.
1: Right. America,
0: if America does ha- ever have a real king, it should be a Jew. I would support that. That would be cool. Yeah, we. I feel Jerry like we Cushner. deserve one, huh? We deserve to have a king somewhere. There's like, I feel like there's never been a Jewish king outside of like you know ancient Israel or whatever.
1: I just so, suggested like, I feel one. I like we should
0: get a Jewish... What if Israel put in a monarchy? Would that I just, fix anything?
1: I, said, I just suggested one. Jared Kushner. Jared Kushner should become the king of Israel. No. No. No, he should become the king of America. Okay.
0: I think we should make Trump king of America, but give but like a ceremonial king. Like, he has no power. He just has to be on TV constantly.
1: Well, we give him like a night. Well, we give him a crown. Like a shiny crown and stuff.
0: He gets a shiny crown to cover his bald spots uh he um he gets to be on tv constantly he gets to be interviewed on 60 minutes every single night but he has zero political power that's what i think i want for him
1: i yeah i do like the idea of trump uh getting indicted and going to jail but still being able to run for president because there's something just very funny about him going to like these massive rallies but in an, or- but in an orange jumpsuit.
0: He's, like, in handcuffs, and he's doing the YMCA dance.
1: No, not the YMCA... Wait, did he do the YMCA dance at a rally?
0: No, he, like, shuffled it. Oh. He didn't even do the
1: letters. It was bullshit. Trump's, Trump dancing is one of the weirdest things I've ever seen. It's
0: so good. It's funny, it's but... It's as Trump- good as the video of Theresa May walking.
1: <laughs> or Theresa May dancing.
0: Yeah. God, I feel like British politicians have a... Like, British conservative politicians have a level of awkwardness that American politicians simply can't match.
1: I disagree.
0: Outside of, like, Ron DeSantis. Ron DeSantis does it.
1: Did you see that... Did you hear about Ron DeSantis' visit to Japan?
0: Yeah, that was so cool. Why is he going to Japan?
1: Well, I think... It's not that weird for governors to, like, go on trade missions and stuff. Governors who aren't running for president have done that before. Okay. Like, I think Eric Greitens, when he was governor, went to China... For some trade mission. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Like, I don't think that's that. I don't think it's as common as, say, the president going abroad, but I don't think it's that weird.
0: I'm going to become governor of, like, a really small state and then just constantly be going on foreign trips. Well, was
1: I wasn't going to say it. Uh, no, you're going to be t- like,
0: we need to get Mauritanian investment into Michigan. No, Not but- Michigan. Michigan's too big. Um, Wyoming. Yeah, no, South Dakota. I'm going gonna become I'm gonna become governor of South Dakota and I'm gonna constantly be going on trips to like really small African nations. Sweet. I'm gonna home. be like we need to establish a South Dakotan military base in Djibouti to protect oh. our interests.
1: Oh South Dakota Mountain Mama yeah. Country Roads West Virginia Yeah. What was I going to say? I'm, a... I'm
0: actually learning Mandarin specifically so I can attract Chinese investment to South Dakota.
1: That is a joke. That is. Joke? I am learning, learning Mandarin,
0: but it is a joke that I'm doing yeah. to attract Chinese investment to South Dakota. Yeah, you're
1: just doing it because you think it's an interesting language. Yeah, I just think it's fun. What was I going to say? Um, No, but with DeSantis' trip to Japan, did he see the thing his eyes did? Yeah, he's so not ready for primetime. Like, Trump's it? just
0: going to destroy him.
1: I'm going to enjoy watching those debates, though. If Trump yeah. goes, even if he doesn't go, it'll still be fun. Yeah. Do you think? Do you, what do you think a debate between Ron DeSantis and Vivek Ramaswamy would be like?
0: I can't really do Vivek's voice, so I don't know, or DeSantis's voice for
1: that matter. No, but what do you think? I'm not asking you in person. I'm just asking you. For uh, your it would just be
0: like, all right, who can be more fascist about what rights parents about, like parents treating their children as property? That would be the big competition.
1: Vivek like Ramaswamy has said we need to just abolish teachers' unions. Yeah. Which is because
0: insane. Essentially, what he wants is homeschooling, but the government pays for
1: it. No, I think he just wants charter schools. Yeah, which is essentially homeschooling, but the
0: government pays for it.
1: No, but I think it's different because charter schools, like you have actual teachers.
0: Yeah, but it's the same quality of education and the same level of indoctrination as homeschooling.
1: Oh, are charter schools as good as homeschooling, like, in terms of quality? I thought charter schools were better.
0: Uh, they can be. It depends on the school. A lot of them fucking suck. A lot of them are just run by scam artists.
1: Mm. From there's just zero oversight. Yeah. From my understanding, charter schools were... From my understanding, charter schools were better than a lot of public schools, but the thing was, there's just no oversight, and they're, like, is what the problem was.
0: Yes, yeah, some charter schools provide very quality education, but... What they do, but there's no oversight of them, and that and they're designed. The ones that do provide quality education, that's not the goal. The goal is to bilk as much money as possible out of state governments.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Like the the point of charter schools is to destroy public schools,
1: which is why we support them.
0: Yeah, this podcast is actually a hundred percent funded by the DeVos Institute for Charter Schools. <laughs> uh, it's it's actually uh, we we. I get all of my money from Betsy DeVos, and Gabe gets all of his money from Bill Gates, and that's why we both love charter schools. Wait,
1: does Bill Gates like charter schools?
0: Bill Gates fucking loves charter schools.
1: That I did not know.
0: Yeah, everyone's like, "Oh, Bill Gates is like saving the world with philanthropy." Bill Gates is destroying the American education system. You yeah,
1: know,
0: I Gates mean, not is- single handedly. A lot of other people are doing yeah. it with him, but he is he is contributing to it.
1: Yeah, like,
0: yeah everyone's all like oh why is he buying up all that farmland clearly it's like you know the new world order it's like no that's stupid what you should actually look at is the way he is concretely make, working to make schooling worse
1: yeah and that's not even like building the new world order that's just bad policy
0: i mean i don't know maybe farmland's a great investment i don't fucking know you're am know,
1: talking about uh, no i'm talking about uh the charter schools thing no
0: because all the like conspiracy nuts love charter schools
1: yeah because oh, that's it's all
0: it's all the same right-wing idiots
1: That's fair, yeah. So, anyway, back to our boy Joshua. To the,
0: like, six left-wing conspiracy people,
1: I love you, you are my people. (laughs) So, anyway, back to our friend Joshua. So, already having two siblings, Joshua would be joined by an additional nine after the family moved to South Africa when he was two years old.
0: Hang on, they moved to South Africa, and they had a lot of kids... Hmm.
1: No, this was, like, way before apartheid and stuff.
0: Yeah, okay.
1: And and what was I going to say? Um... So his father, John, was a, successful businessman, was a successful businessman who ran his own ship supply operation, and his son uh, eventually followed in his footsteps. At the age of 21, Norton established his own ship, shipping supply business. Unfortunately, right. it seemed that whatever financial acumen John had wasn't genetic. Joshua went bankrupt less than two years later. And the next decade is where the timeline gets a bit murky. So one source said that Norton left South Africa in 1845, went to Liverpool in February 1846, then Boston, and somehow found his way in Rio de Janeiro before settling in San Francisco in 1849. Somehow found his way into what? Into Rio de Janeiro before oh, making yes. his way to San Francisco. He was in doing 1849. heart of darkness shit. <laughs> I don't think so.
0: He was like he was like hanging out with like uncontacted tribes. He was like learning their secret techniques of like, I don't know, art or something.
1: It's so fucked up how people keep trying to contact, keep trying to contact them, like leave them alone.
0: Yeah, the uncontacted tribe, like the, like remember that guy who like learned the Sentinelese language so he could go preach the Bible to those North Sentinel Islanders people and then they just fucking killed him. Was this in Brazil? No, that wasn't in Brazil. That was in India.
1: Oh no, I think there's this
0: uncontacted tribe in India called uh, the, the, called Sentinelese and uh, everyone who goes there, they just attack them. <laughs> so India eventually just said, you just can't go here.
1: You know, I kind of like... missionary
0: snuck in, because he was like, I'm going to be the first one to teach them the Bible, and then the, they just killed him. <laughs> Which is like, yeah, what did you expect was going to happen, man?
1: Everyone else who's gone there has been killed. Well, not just that, but in addition to just leave, wanting to leave them alone, I think the the fact that we still have uncontacted tribes is kind of beautiful in this world where everything is so connected and you know with technology and things like that i think it's kind of cool to have these uh i don't know i think it's kind of cool to have these uh just uh i think it's kind of cool to, to have yeah, that, it's you know? one of
0: those things where like they're they're aware of the outside world so like if they wanted to make contact they would you know and not
1: just that but they also even if they didn't they also have no immunity to diseases so when you contact them chances are 90 percent of them are going to die within the next yeah, year also that
0: yeah but it's one of those things where, like, if they want to, if they want to come out and go, like, see what's up with the rest of the world, fine. But if they want to just stay where they are, just let them.
1: Yeah, that's what I think. Yeah. So, another source I found only mentioned Joshua's trip to Rio before making his way to the states, and said All that right. he did this only because of his bankruptcy, along with the deaths of his of his parents and two of his siblings. All right. Look,
0: we do love on this podcast when a guy goes bankrupt and flees the country. That is a classic running unopposed coverage move.
1: I feel like that doesn't happen that often. Mark Thatcher did
0: that like three times.
1: Yeah, fair, but that's the only episode I feel.
0: Yeah, that's true. We haven't really covered enough guys who did like financial crimes yet. We'll get there.
1: Yeah, so he also... There's financial shenanigans here, don't worry. Okay, cool. We should cover George
0: Francis Train.
1: That would be a fun fucking episode. That is a good name. Uh, you want to know what's even funnier? He was a railroad tycoon. (laughs) (laughs) So, he also may have arrived on a German ship called Franzeska. Arrival logs supposedly recorded this boat docking in San Francisco, but there's no certainty that Norton himself was a passenger. So, either way, we know the important details of the 1840s. Joshua Norton went bankrupt, faced personal, personal tragedies, and wound up in America. Yeah. So, despite his financial misfortune, Norton... Unlike a lot of other immigrants, wasn't completely broke when he came to the U.S. How he got his money wasn't entire isn't entirely clear. It was probably either um, some inheritance from his father or just wealth he accrued through other successful business ventures and investments.
0: Did your did your did your elementary school ever make you do the Ellis Island thing,
1: where you like track your uh, family lineage?
0: No, no, where you have to pretend to be an immigrant and lie your way into America. Wait, what? Yeah, it was one sec. So at my elementary school, we were on in uh, in like our social studies class one year, we were learning about Ellis Island and like American immigration. And uh, for like an activity one day, they assigned you um, a fake name, a fake biography, job, and like a certain amount of money you had. And then they got the parents and teachers to be like Ellis Island guards, and you had to, and they like set up the whole hallway to be like an immigration checkpoint.
1: What? <laughs> It was really weird. That might just be your school.
0: <laughs> yeah, and um, and I remember what I got is, I always remember I was Miloš Vadoma, an Italian pickpocket who was illiterate.
1: Wait, Miloš? That's a Slavic name.
0: Yeah, I don't know why. He was, he was Italian, though. That's not an but Italian name. But I remember he was Italian, he was a pickpocket, and he knew how to write his own name, but other than that, he was illiterate.
1: <laughs> That's not an Italian name.
0: No, it's not. But maybe he was an Italian. Maybe he was like Polish or something. But he was a pickpocket.
1: Wait, we live in New York City. How did Lee Zeldin not talk about this nonstop when he <laughs> ran for governor? Uh, I went to a private school, so he probably didn't know about it. But I feel like he. But like I feel like if anybody heard about this, somebody would have told someone who told someone else who then told the New York Post.
0: Yeah, maybe. I'll, I'll, I'll see. Uh, I'll check if, like, around when I was in, like, I don't know, maybe, like... Th- I was in, like, third grade max when this happened, <laughs> by the way. Wait, max? <laughs> I was in elementary school.
1: I know, but I didn't realize that you were that young. I figured you were probably, like, 10 or 11.
0: Uh, I left elementary school in, in uh, fifth grade, so maybe fourth grade. <laughs> um, but, yeah, um, but what's funny is they encouraged you to lie. They were, like, they didn't encourage you, but they said, like, oh, if you can't, if you think you can't get through normally, you're allowed to try to bribe the guards or lie to them. So, I, like, wrote, so, like, the night before, I wrote out this whole, like, fake backstory for myself and, like, put it on a flashcard and memorized it. (laughs) And I, like, I got, like, really into it.
1: I'm trying to think of the weirdest thing my school did. You know, um, but,
0: and what, what's funny though is I remember I got through because I bribed one of the guards.
1: Was one of the guards your dad?
0: <laughs> no, neither of my parents volunteered. It was it was like, but it, it, the parents of some of my friends were though. Uh, yeah. but I remember I just bribed someone to let me through the the because the the way it works, you have to prove that you can write. So I I bribed to get past that part. And then I just lied and said I had some, like, job skills that I didn't have. And then somehow mm-hmm. that worked, and I got through to Ellis Island. I got through fake Ellis Island. What was That's probably goes? when I learned that, like, lying works. Well, that, that, probably, to... like, ir- that probably, like, irrecoverably shaped me as a child. Did that actually? Probably. And that led to, like, why I, like, lie constantly as an adult. Huh. Do, you, do you
1: actually lie constantly? Not constantly, but, like, probably more than I should. I feel like most people lie more than they should.
0: Fucking out, I need to get a therapist. I need to not do this on the podcast.
1: Wait, do you not have a therapist?
0: <laughs> no. Did you? My stop last sin? one was my last one. Um, got an, it took an administrative job, and then my replacement was bad, so I haven't had a new one since.
1: Oh, what was I gonna say? Um, I <laughs> got a yeah, listener that was <laughs>
0: Rose's repressed childhood memory corner.
1: No, but knowing your dad, I feel like you would have been contacted And was like, no, why?
0: <laughs> no. Um, I remember uh, one girl. Her mother deported her. <laughs> in real life? No, not in real life. In the in the like no it, Oh, that guy.
1: happened in my school.
0: <laughs> I don't remember the girl's name, but she was a friend of mine, and I remember uh, her mother. Uh, her mother was like a vo- volunteer to be one of the guards and deported her.
1: Oh, <laughs> back to in our school, she had to go back to uh, the west side. We were on the east side. She got uh, deported okay, to the yeah. other side of town.
0: Yeah, instead of the border <laughs> checkpoint at, at Central Park. <laughs>
1: I'm trying to think, what was the weirdest thing that happened in my elementary school? We had, like, we had a lot of, like, kids who had behavioral issues, but I don't remember anything weird the school organized like that. Yeah, that was probably the weirdest thing that happened to me in elementary school. (laughs) Wait, what was the second weirdest? Multicultural night?
0: Multicultural night wasn't weird, it was just racist.
1: Oh, yeah. It was really uh, one we particular a exhibit. Of, like, we had
0: a lot of, like, South Asian, specifically Indian kids at our school.
1: Who were really rich, right?
0: Yeah, who had, like, a decent... Well, it was a private school, so everyone had a decent amount of money. Um, so, like, the, like, Indian section, it was literally, like, a whole Diwali celebration. Like, they put the little bead on my forehead, and I thought, and, yeah, you know, I was, like, eight. So I was like, ooh, this is cool. I was like, ooh, pretty cu- colors. Um, But, and then the but that's not the for, racist like, part.
1: Every- Wait, one sec yeah but the indian the diwali so the indian the section was like
0: really cool they had like a diwali celebration they had all this stuff about like traditional like hindu religious ceremonies and it was really neat was that hip. sounds
1: really that sounds really fun
0: actually. and then the section for african-american culture was uh a framed portrait of martin luther king jr uh a watermelon and some soul records
1: i thought it was cornbread
0: maybe it was cornbread it was something like deeply racist
1: and wasn't it also, like, the worst room?
0: Yeah, it was, It was like, off to the side.
1: That's really mean.
0: Yeah. I don't remember what the Jewish thing was, but I'm sure it was there, I, but I'm sure it was fine. But, you know, the African-American one hit me, I was like, huh. Even at, like, age 10, I was like, hmm, this seems a little racist.
1: Wasn't your dad, like, what the fuck? Yeah. So, back to our boy Joshua. So...
0: Yeah, enough of, enough of, like, Rose's yeah. insane childhood.
1: Yeah. Uh, next episode, we're doing my insane childhood. Oh, let's do it. So, the new American... So, Joshua Norton lived the American dream to some extent, and at least for a little while. He did well for himself as a businessman, selling various commodities and making several real estate investments. throughout the So, early, sort of
0: the Donald Trump of his era.
1: Now, throughout the early 1850s, Norton made friends with various people in San Francisco high society, being invited to the best parties... Dining at fine restaurants, joining social and joining social clubs. In other words, right. we love he lived. A a di- joined social
0: clubs. Yeah, that's always nice.
1: In other words, he lived a life pretty typical for a wealthy person in the United States and lo- enjoying luxuries of all sorts.
0: Wait, hang on. He was a wealthy person in the United States in the 1850s. Where was he exactly?
1: San Francisco. Okay, so
0: not a slave state. No. Okay, that was that was my question. My question was, did he own slaves?
1: No. Okay, so. In just a few years, Norton's wealth grew from $40,000 to $250,000. I ran the numbers, and his fortune was worth about $10 million in today's money.
0: Damn, that's a yeah. pretty good check of change Dad. Yeah.
1: That's a pretty
0: that's... good check of change dad. Why?
1: What was that?
0: I don't know. I just do voices sometimes. I can't really help it. <laughs> it. It frequently gets people mad at me, but I can't really stop it.
1: Yeah, okay. Yeah. This is why you need a therapist.
0: I... I need a therapist so I can just have Joe Biden take over my body and just do my bad Joe Biden impression for like 45 minutes a week. Your
1: oh, your yeah. Joe Biden impression is terrible. Don't do it on the podcast.
0: I've been feeling sad, Jack.
1: No, we're we're canceling. No, this it used
0: a- to be better. I Because I got that voice AI thing, I've been using that instead of like working on impressions because I could just get the computer to do it. So all my impressions have gotten way worse.
1: Yeah, no, your impression of Joe Biden was never good.
0: Huh? No, there was like a month where it was pretty good.
1: No, I hate to... I'm sorry, I hate to break it to you. He's so fucked up. Why yeah. can no
0: one do a good Joe Biden? It's so I annoying. can. No, you can't.
1: I do it better than you. Okay, hit me. Um. You gotta... No, listen here, Jack! Oh, that's actually not bad. See? Yeah. What was I gonna say? So... Victory! So, if you think this sounds boring, stay with me. This upswing in the life of Joshua Norton wasn't permanent... Which is sort of to be expected, given the people we've covered on this podcast. That's right. Yeah. So sooner or later, their success success wears off and something bad happens. Likewise, no matter the mistakes they make, they usually end up at least semi-okay. That is true. Yeah, we we rarely
0: cover people who don't do pretty well for themselves in life. No no we?
1: So Rose, what do you think happened uh, happened next? I'll give you some hints. It has nothing to do with a crippling accident, some weird sex scandals, crazy lies, murder, or anything else like that. Which I'm now guess that I think he about gets it,
0: drafted to fight in the Civil War.
1: No. But now that I think about it, that's pretty unusual for the podcast. Nobody having some crazy sex scandal or some terrible accident or killing someone.
0: <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I feel like we don't cover a lot of sex scandals on this podcast.
1: But we're going to, I feel later. Didn't Pym Fortown have uh, some sca- some sex scandals? Uh,
0: yeah, sort of. There were were more posthumous sex scandals, but yes, mm.
1: we're gonna. Let's see. Oh, we're gonna. Don't c- worry, we'll get into it yeah. later. Yeah, well, I was gonna say, we're, I'm I'm probably gonna cover Gary Condit at some point. Which oh yeah, that's a sex scandal. Yeah, so <laughs> that is certainly a sex scandal. Yep. So in 1852, Joshua Norton took on a new business challenge, which, as I've implied uh, seconds before, failed spectacularly. So, before I go further, I'll just say this. I did some reading for this episode, and I don't think Joshua Norton's financial downturn was entirely predictable. His plan to get even richer, which I'm about to get into, may not have been fantastic, but it made sense at least on paper.
0: All right.
1: So, in the early 1850s, Norton sought to add to his fortune, and during this time, things across the Pacific Ocean weren't going so well. So, most relevant to this episode, China was in the middle of a rice famine... Oh no! That's and bad. being a being a businessman, Norton sensed an opportunity because San Francisco because China's rice supply was mostly from China. So he cobbled together some business partners and put down twenty five thousand dollars to buy a shipload of Peruvian rice, thinking that he could buy it for a cheap for, for cheap and and resell at a massive profit. He paid two thousand dollars upfront and promised to pay the rest within a month. Like I said, on paper, this wasn't a horrible idea. The famine in China drove up rice prices from 4 to 36 cents a pound, and Norton found a way to buy a shipload of Peruvian rice for 12 cents a pound, which he oh, could then right. sell for three times the price. Geed,
0: geed. Yeah, all right. So you're saying our boy had some he had some business acumen going on.
1: Yeah, or at least it seems. And in any case, China certainly didn't have the extra rice, so someone was going to try to fill the void in the market. Why not be that guy, right?
0: Yeah,
1: but hey, There's a j- love to be that guy. Yeah. But there's just one problem. Do you want to guess what it was?
0: I'm going to guess that uh that, that the Peruvian rice shipment either didn't exist or that the Chinese famine was fake. Uh no. Like uh, it was a thing that was reported in the news but wasn't real. Yeah.
1: <laughs> uh there's no such thing as Peruvian rice. <laughs> no, that's a joke. That's a joke
0: oh, you had me there for a second. I was like, hang on, no, because, like, I've had Peruvian food before. I know a Peruvian pretty closely. They totally eat rice.
1: No, but that would have been a lot of... That would have been great, though, if that was what happened. (laughs) Yeah, no, that got me for a second. And the fact that I just came up with that makes me really mad that that's not what actually happened, because that would have been way funnier.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that would have been almost as good as the Douglas Stringfellow reveal.
1: (laughs) No, that was, like, on that episode of Malcolm in the Middle where Francis has to go to Alaska, and he's talking to his friend, and he's like, I just exchanged all my money for Alaskan dollars. And his friend goes, Francis, there's no such thing as Alaskan dollars. And Francis just runs out of the store and he goes, and he goes, hold on. Wait, stop.
0: <laughs> Francis is the one who's like the older one who doesn't live with them, right?
1: Yeah, he's the blonde one. Yeah. Yeah. What was he going to say? So on December 23rd, 1852, wait, I'm just going to give you a hint what happened first. All right. So this was the problem. Supply and demand goes both ways.
0: That is true. Supply and demand goes both ways.
1: So, on December 23rd, 1852, not one, but several ships carrying Peruvian rice arrived in San Francisco. Oh, no. (laughs) Not only did the rice drop from the 36 cents a pound brought on by the Chinese famine, but it was lower than the pre-famine price, now costing just 3 cents a pound. (laughs) So, So you're saying they
0: needed sort of New Deal-style agricultural production caps?
1: I, I I guess I don't know, but point is, this man this man was like, I'm going to take advantage of the rice market, and then single handedly fucked himself over.
0: So you're saying every, him and every other businessman in San Francisco decided to take advantage of this?
1: I don't know about that, but the point is, the rice market got flooded, and his plan was ruined partially because yeah, of his, but own his, doing. his
0: plan got ruined. The rice market got flooded because everyone had the same idea as him.
1: I don't know if it was because everyone had the same ideas as him, or just like extra shiploads came when he bought it.
0: That that's not a thing that happens. In Maybe he like misunderstood
1: ship. the terms of the business. I don't know.
0: <laughs> I no, I think other people just had the same idea. Maybe, but in the 1850s, it's like it seems to make sense, and if you but, can do it quickly enough, yeah, it works.
1: But in the eighteen fifties, I mean, with the uh, but the fact that communication that information just didn't travel as fast, it would make sense that that's what happened. I feel.
0: No, it would make sense that other businessmen read the same newspaper he did, and we're like, oh, okay, famine in China, boom, let's go buy some rice, boys.
1: No, but that makes that also makes sense, but I'm saying my thing just isn't completely, like, out of the question.
0: No, not out of the question, but it'd be weird. Yeah. They, they, had, the, they had the telegraph by the 1850s, yeah. didn't they? But,
1: I mean, weird is the theme of this podcast. That's true. Maybe he accidentally bought, like, ten times the rice he needed. So, Norton tried to get out of paying claiming that the samples shown to That's him before any claims of the samples shown to him before he entered the agreement was of a was of a higher quality than the stuff he actually got <sighs> he tried to sue and wound up in litigation for about 2 years before the California Supreme Court ruled against him in 8- in October of
0: 1854 nice nice
1: making matters worse was the misfortune he had outside the rice trade one client accused norman of embezzlement and on a note that I'm pretty sure is unrelated yes, to the accusation, King. yeah, I'm pretty sure this isn't that related to the accusation. The bank foreclosed on his North Beach property as well.
0: Heed, heed! The government just hates to see a man win. Yeah, they hate the, to see an ethnic white do well.
1: <laughs> By the end of 1856, the once wealthy Norton had fallen fast and far. His liabilities were listed at fifty-five thousand eight hundred eleven dollars, and assets at just fifteen thousand.
0: 15000 in 1850s money was still pretty solid, wasn't it?
1: It was a. Yeah, it was not bad, but he plummeted.
0: Yeah. And I mean, he also it was a lot had less.
1: <laughs> he also had more liabilities than assets.
0: Oh, yeah, that's a fair point. So he yeah. was in debt.
1: Yeah. So, listener, like I've said before, financial ups and downs were a big part of Norton's life, but that's not the sole focus of this episode.
0: Yeah, we, we wouldn't can... cover him yeah. if he was just a regular financial criminal.
1: Yeah. Making it that making that the focus would be unfair because plenty of other stuff happened to this guy throughout the eighteen fifties and beyond. All
0: right.
1: In August eighteen fifty four, Joshua Norton was accepted into before I say anything, Rose, do you wanna guess?
0: Was it a college? No. Was it uh was it the Freemasons? Yes. Was it fucking really? yes i hate that how come the freemasons keep coming up on this goddamn podcast i
1: feel like you knew the answer to that
0: no i didn't i just Uh, guessed i was like what's like a secret organization with prestige that a guy like that would want to be a part of
1: the freemasons (laughs) yep he got accepted into occidental lodge number 22 of free and accepted masons all right and i I didn't even
0: it's interesting to me that the freemasons accept jews but not catholics i never understood that
1: i did not know that
0: yeah the freemasons were weird yeah so, like you, uh, They also accept trans masons, which is kind of funny.
1: There's a there's a Tory MP uh, who is a Freemason.
0: Is he trans? No. Okay, yeah. He's gay, though. I found out, recently, gay, that the Ma- I found out re- recently that the Freemasons accept trans men. So to any trans mask listeners we have, if you would like to be a Freemason, uh, hit up your local lodge. They have to accept you. It's in the Freemason rules.
1: They have to. They can't reject you.
0: I mean they can reject you, but they can't reject But um they they, are, they do allow trans mask masons, yes.
1: Okay, so they can reject you, but not for being trans.
0: I mean theoretically they can. They just yeah, you know.
1: but it's against the rules.
0: Yeah. It's against masonry so, rules, yes.
1: Yeah. So in 1855, making a decision that I can only assume was motivated by his financial misfortunes and the stress that they caused, Norton ran for San Francisco tax collector. He didn't get it. Yeah.
0: Ah, oh, that's so sad.
1: Three years later, in August eighteen fifty eight, he declares intention to run for Congress, but didn't make it on the ballot. He...
0: That's so fucked up. I want. Now, I would have loved it if he made it to Congress.
1: Yeah. Now you're probably thinking he became a perennial <laughs> candidate, a fixture of nineteenth century politics that provided more amusement and eccentricities than he did valuable opinions or lasting that political. That would be changes. a sort of standard. You'd be somewhat though, accurate us, as his effect on policy like was that? as, and you'd be somewhat accurate in assuming that as his effect on policy Wait, was non-existent. On
0: minor production hiccup there. We're back now. So, eccentricities, local perennial candidate.
1: That's what you think he's going to be, but... Yes, and you'd be somewhat accurate because his effect on policy was almost non-existent. However, <laughs> as far as I know, Norton never ran for office again. His next move was much weirder. You ready? He, on, it se- sure was, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> on September 59th, or September 17th, 1859... He, he,
0: 1859 so yeah. a year before something very important
1: happens in american history yeah joshua norton brought notice to the editor of the san francisco evening bulletin that read the following at the preemptory request of a large majority of the citizens of the united states i joshua norton formerly of algoa bay cape of good hope and now for the last nine years and ten months past of san francisco california speak up de- a little. declare and proclaim myself emperor of these united states his yes. Title go- yes! His, t- his title got longer a few years later to include Protector of Mexico in response to France's invasion of that country.
0: <laughs> did, Ma- did he ever go to Mexico? I don't think so. Uh, I was hoping he like would have
1: tried to raise troops for Mexico or something. That would have been funny. That would have been awesome. So yeah. before I talk more about his imperial program for America, there's something I found that even if it's true, doesn't really matter, but it's still amusing. Norton's brothers- that, That's the in- bread and
0: butter of this podcast.
1: Exactly. Norton's brothers, Philip and Louis, and one of his sisters, Louisa, were named after French royals. This may sound weird, but it wasn't uncommon in the UK during the early 19th century to do that. Britain and France had gone to war when Napoleon was in charge, so predictably, British people widely preferred the Bourbon dynasty to Bonaparte, and were happy to see the old monarchy restored. As you may have thought just seconds ago, Joshua isn't a name that makes you think of France or kings or French kings. It's Jewish. Now, at least in my opinion, most people whose names were of a different origin than those of their siblings probably wouldn't care that much, if at all. Would you agree?
0: Yeah, probably not.
1: Yeah. They'd probably think about it momentarily, maybe ask their parents, and leave it at that. Not Joshua, though. Unlike most Jewish kids named Joshua, who would probably just assume that they were given a Jewish name because they were a Jew, Norton wasn't going to let this question, no matter how trivial it seemed have anything other than a fantastical answer his theory became that his name was almost as weird as, as his decision to proclaim himself emperor all right hit me or that wasn't his theory but his theory was almost as weird that's what i meant to say
0: he, he, all right let's go let's get so, into
1: it in his mind having a jewish name was a sign that his parents john and sarah weren't his real parents instead of being a couple that was given Wait, joshua sorry,
0: restart that you cut out for a sec
1: in his mind Having a Jewish name was a sign that his parents, John and Sarah, weren't his real parents. Instead, being a couple that was given Joshua yes. in order to predict his true identity as a member of the Bourbon dynasty. As emperor. Okay. Morty? Yeah.
0: So he wasn't Jewish. He was actually a French monarch. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. Or I mean, not actually, but, you know. That was had... his theory,
1: at least. Yeah. So...
0: This so wait, is then a, why'd they give him a Jewish name, anyways?
1: I don't know. <laughs> I mean, Joshua's not a bad name.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, well, I'm just saying, if his whole thing is based on his name, he was secretly French. Why would he have a Why would he have a very sort of Anglo Jewish name
1: as opposed to yeah. a French name? Yeah, and as emperor, Norton was a mixed bag. On the one hand, he was a typical he was a typical nineteenth <laughs> century. Uh,
0: as Emperor, Norton was a mixed bag. What a great fucking sentence.
1: Yeah. On the one hand, he was a typical You know, his rule had some monarch. ups and
0: downs, you know.
1: Yeah. He was a typical 19th century monarch, or at least he had the mindset of one. He wanted to abolish Congress. <laughs> at one point, even calling now, on the military uh, I, I to force it building. I need clear to start the like the
0: alpha male YouTube channel called the Monarch Mindset. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to become like, the trans Andrew Tate. It's going to be cool. Huh?
1: No. He wanted to abolish Wouldn't Congress. You? He wanted to abolish Wait, Congress. On. Let him cook. At one point, even calling on the military to forcibly clear the building, dissolve the republic, and make himself <laughs> an absolute monarch.
0: Oh on the God. other
1: hand, he was, if not a radical, pretty forward-thinking, calling for separation of church and state, women's suffrage, and also spoke out against Sunday laws, which he said discriminated against Jews and Germans. How they discriminate against Germans? Because I think a lot of them were like, no buying alcohol on Sundays. Oh yeah, and and I think it it was pretty common for but I think from what I heard a pretty common thing for Germans love to drink like what no I think a pretty common thing was for uh, which part was which is part of what differentiated Germans and made them disliked by the Anglo-Saxon elite was that after church on Sundays they'd like go get beer. Oh yeah, okay. And Anglo-Saxon. So what you're saying
0: is he wanted to be a sort of enlightened philosopher king in the mold of Napoleon. Napoleon wasn't enlightened at all. No, but he wanted that sort of, like, an enlightenment, a king who is based on enlightenment ideals. You know what I mean? I guess, yeah.
1: So, nobody seemed to renounce the- he wanted, yeah. So, no one seemed to renounce the Republic for Norton. The new emperor continued to voice his opinions and issue proclamations over the next two decades. In 1860, he abolished the California State Supreme Court and fired Virginia Governor Henry A. Wise for the hanging of John Brown, an abolitionist who attacked an armory. Wait, hang on. And another odd... hang on. An... Do I have to like? Hold this one? on. Hold on. And
0: okay. another is odd this decision is this, where
1: it gets... is this where he becomes pro slavery or something? Sort of. It's just I don't think he was he wasn't pro slavery, but this is just really weird. Okay, hit me. He he wanted to uh he wanted to replace Wise with John C. Breckenridge, and for those of you who don't know who that is, John C. Uh, Breckenridge. Repeat that. Breckenridge. Turn
0: your camera off because I think that's causing issues. Sure. Minor audio hiccup, but we're pushing through it. Sorry about that, folks.
1: Yep. So we were at his decision to fire Governor Henry Wise and bring in John C. Breckinridge. And for those of you who don't know what that is, or who that is, John C. Breckinridge was a politician who was very pro-slavery. Wait,
0: so he wanted to fire the governor of Virginia for hanging John Brown, an anti-slavery revolutionary, and then bring in a guy who was more pro-slavery? Yes, I don't
1: understand. I if he was I- if he
0: was pro-slavery,
1: wouldn't he be okay with John Brown being executed? Yeah, but, like, most people we cover on this podcast, this man's reasoning is indecipherable. <laughs> did he have, like, journals or something? Or no? Maybe. So, like, we don't know why him. he did this? I, huh? No. Okay,
0: yeah. So we have no idea what the reasoning was. Yeah, so... I'm but we know go- he specifically removed, the, he wanted to remove the governor of Virginia because he hanged John Brown? Uh... Yes. Maybe he was just really anti-death penalty.
1: <laughs> Maybe I kind of doubt that though, considering yeah. <laughs> this was the eighteen sixties.
0: Yeah, he was like a principled anti-death penalty activist, but he was fine with slavery somehow. Yeah. That that's possible. That seems Maybe. like someone we would cover on this podcast. It
1: it does. So <laughs> and so he something else he so something else he also advocated for, which I want to add, was women's suffrage. Yo! I like the sound of that. Yeah, this guy was uh, inconsistent in his in his views. Let's just, I think we can just say that. Yeah.
0: Well, I mean, you know, women's suffrage, specifically white women's suffrage. Yeah, he didn't. Probably, yeah. Yeah. Because you yeah. know, he was okay with slavery. He certainly wasn't okay with. Uh, yeah. You know, black women voting.
1: Yeah. So something I want to what was I going to say? So something I want to talk about a bit is some of his uh, is kind of his. Uh, status as a uh, san francisco celebrity of sorts in 1861 the play norton the first debuted in san francisco okay yeah and in fact and in fact in the alta california which was a newspaper began issuing fake proclamations because they were good for business <laughs> so they would just make up stuff he said like yes. this, he didn't actually say that's so good yeah no it's
0: it's great <laughs> Because it would get people to buy the paper? Yes. Ah, that's so fucking good. Did he, like, sue them
1: or something? I don't think so. Yeah. So, and Norton was actually, even though he was kind of a pauper at this point, he still survived on the donations of friends, And uh, but he was embarrassed by taking charity, so he referred to the donations as taxes and recorded them in a notebook. (laughs) Yeah, he spent his days throughout the next 20 years or so um talking to friends going to the tavern for lunch going to the mechanics library to read play chess and write proclamations that seems like a kind of idyllic yeah. life it's very he, bohemian of him. he also went to temple as well as church seeing it as an imperial duty that's huh okay that's kind of cool that's very yeah, yeah. so he, he was bringing religious unity to america that's at nice. one point being angered by civil war rants that were going on in churches he threatened to create a state church of his own ah he should have tried yeah. imagine
0: the state imagine the the american pentecostal state church fond- founded by a jewish man that would be beautiful that would have been hilarious that's like how um the person appoint that's like rishi sunak is british pm means uh means a practicing hindu is appointing the bishops of the catholic church or not the Catholic Church, the Anglican Church, the Church of England. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah,
0: the Anglican Church, Church
1: of England. Yeah. was well, I was going to say, um, Joshua, which to be, clear, adopted, yeah. to be clear, I fully support. To be clear, I think that's had, hilarious. <laughs> he also adopted an imperial wardrobe.
0: An imperial wardrobe? I love an imperial wardrobe. Are there yeah. pictures?
1: Uh, there are a few. Yeah. Okay. Well, I was going to say so interesting thing is that norton would continue to be on this uh weird somewhat progressive streak um in 1870 he started publishing proclamations in this abolition an abolitionist publication called the pacific appeal
0: really okay so he was
1: huh he supported black people in public schools and streetcars and said chinese people should have the right to give testimony in court Sometimes you forget just how evil
0: this country has been over the course of its history, and then you encounter something like that, and it's like, wait, what the fuck? Why wasn't that allowed?
1: Yeah. So, for the last 15 years or so of his life—sorry, my notes got a little scrambled here, so it's going to be a bit back and forth, if that's okay.
0: Okay, yeah, Um, go for
1: it. Yeah, so for the last 15 years or so of his life, Norn lived in a place called Eureka Lodgings, which was a boarding house. 50 cents a day, bought a nine by six room with a cot, couch, night table, and wash basin.
0: I think nine by six is like slightly bigger than the average prison cell.
1: <laughs> yeah, and but noticeably absent was a closet. Oh, so he didn't have anywhere for his clothes. Yeah, he That's also up. this is kind of interesting. He lived three doors down from Mark Twain. Did they ever meet? I don't know about that, but Norton was an inspiration for characters in books such as Huckleberry Finn. Every now and then, you get a city listener that has all these very famous historical people
0: living in very close proximity to each other, and they apparently just never met. And it's always very interesting to me. Yeah, so, like you get, and sometimes they do. Like you get like Mexico City in the '40s, where you had like Trotsky living in exile. You had Frida Kahlo. You had Diego. Uh, What's his last name? Frida Kahlo's lover, the guy who painted all the fat people. Diego something. Leon Trotsky. Not Leon Trotsky. (laughs)
1: Didn't they have an affair, though? Uh, They might have. I haven't checked. Mm. Is it kind of like a John and Marilyn situation where we will never truly know, but most people think so? Diego Rivera. That was his name. Mm. I knew it was something like that. Is it kind of like a John and Marilyn situation where we'll never know for sure, but we're pretty certain? John and Marilyn who's that Mar- Marilyn Monroe and John Kennedy Oh yeah no we know they they had a thing
0: Didn't you watch the movie didn't you watch Blonde No okay go watch Blonde right now
1: Listener if you're a cishet man go watch Blonde right now Was it good It's so good So and Norton became something of a San Francisco celebrity theaters reserved good seats for him and new uniforms were likely provided by ta- by generous tailors
0: Wow. So, so tailors would, like, do this as, like, for fun? Yeah. Just, like, because, you know, I guess if you're an American tailor, you don't really get to design, like, royal stuff
1: ever. ever yeah.
0: Because we don't have a monarch. So, or yeah. an aristocracy. So,
1: I guess it was, like, fun for them in a way. Like, you know, a we had, like Yeah, like, we, we definitely have and had an upper class, but not really a nobility. Yeah, we don't have a nobility. So, I, it was, it's probably fun if you're a tailor for there to be a nobility. Yeah, so... In January 1867, this is just a funny little side story. A private security guard, which was typical for businesses and, res- and uh, just private citizens who could afford them, accused Norton of vagrancy and then lunacy. I mean, that, but, the, the lunacy thing seems fair. Yeah. But newspapers defended Norton. And this one quote, I forget the name of the uh, newspaper, but in what. But this is a quote I found. In what can only be described as the most dastardly of errors, Joshua A. Norton was arrested today. He's being held on the ludicrous charge of lunacy. Known and loved by all true true San Franciscans as Emperor Norton, this kindly monarch of Montgomery Street is less a lunatic than those who have engineered these trumped-up charges. As they will learn, His Majesty's loyal subjects are fully apprised of this outrage. (laughs) So he had, like, support in the community. He was, like, the local crank. I guess, yeah. The police chief, Patrick Crawley, apologized, and Norton actually pardoned the guard for what that's worth. For for what that's worth, which is pretty much nothing because he didn't have any actual authority. (laughs) So after Norton was saluted by the police. (laughs) He was
0: saluted by
1: the police. Extremely rare,
0: good thing for the the police in California. Extremely rare, good move for them.
1: So he continued to I- issue his proclamations on issues such, such as taxes, water rates, and the standard t- and the sanitary state of the streets. Did,
0: did it work? I don't know, maybe. huh And also I'm looking at the the currency he printed. it's actually kind of high
1: quality. hmm. So and he even actually met with world leaders in 1876. Don Pedro II of Brazil visited San Francisco and met with Emperor Norton. Did he fucking really? Yes. No way. Yeah. You listener, you can't tell
0: cuz it's an audio medium, but I have the biggest fucking grin on my face right now.
1: <laughs> yeah, his late this is kind of where the episode's coming to to, to an end, and there wasn't a ton of information I cu- I could I can find on the last few years of his life. But supposedly at the age of 63, he fell in love with a 16-year-old. Okay, that's not great. That's yeah. not great. <laughs> no, that's not great. As far as I know, nothing happened between them, so that's good. Okay. Yeah. And and on January eighth, eighteen eighty, Norton died collapsing while walking to debate at the Hastings Society at the Ac- at the Academy of Natural Sciences.
0: Ah, uh, R.I.P. to a real
1: one. Yeah. Let's this see. Was he was interred significantly- in a Masonic cemetery. Okay. This is significantly less depressing than the other people we've covered, I feel. Yeah, this is just like a beloved local crank. Yeah. We need more cranks, I feel. We we can cover more local cranks if you want. No, but I'm talking about today, we just need more, like, local cranks. Yeah, the it, one
0: thing that America lost is our completely idiosyncratic cranks, because all of the guys who would be doing stuff like this uh, have either been forced into homelessness by our brutal neoliberal society... Or they became jet ski dealership owners who watch Fox News twelve hours a day, and now think trans people are actively trying to kill them.
1: Or they're just the most annoying members of Congress.
0: Yeah, that too. Yeah, or they're just
1: Lauren Boebert and poison people. Yeah, or, they, people or with they're their just Marjorie hurt. Taylor Greene. <laughs> yeah, or they just poison people with their awful food. Yeah, yeah, but the the Marjorie
0: Taylor Greens and Lauren Boeberts fall in the category of like people who have just you know, watched Fox News 12 hours a day for years on end.
1: And their brains are just melted. Yeah. Overall, I'd say... Like, the honest.
0: all of our cranks have become the same type of crank because of Fox News, I think.
1: There are still left-wing cranks, I, hear, I feel. You just don't hear about them as much because they don't have multi-billion dollar media empires. Uh, yeah, that's a fair point.
0: Who's a left-wing crank?
1: I'm trying to think. Uh, hmm. Tim Pool. Typical's not really left wing. No, he's
0: not. <laughs> also, he's not really a, he's not really a crank. He's just like a regular, he's just kind of dumb. A crank yeah, is just... a guy, like we also we need like b- local characters, you know? That's what yeah. America's missing.
1: The the only example Guys like Joshua they're...
0: Norton, where like it's political, but it's not like, you know, oh, they're coming to kill your children.
1: Political. Yeah. The only thing I can think of, and she's not even left wing anymore, she's just very right wing, is Tulsi Gabbard. Chelsea Gabber definitely fits that vibe. Uh I'd say Cynthia McKinney a little bit. Oh yeah, definitely. Oh, another episode future episode We, should, we
0: absolutely need to do a Cynthia McKinney episode. That's I think be fun. I already
1: put her on my list. Okay, yeah. All right, you can have her. That's good. I'm good with that. Yeah. Overall, I on that one. This was I'd say this was one of the less insane episodes just because this guy didn't have a massive that fe- uh massive effect on the world around him. No, but it's a funny, it's it's a funny thing to cover. And it really does, it
0: almost you know what it feels like to me? What? It feels like he sort of prefigured the like sovereign citizen movement in a little in a few ways. I guess. But except he wasn't committed to it. That's why I don't really that's why I like have trouble respecting him. Because like the sovereign citizen guys actually do like stop paying taxes and go to jail for it. And like they're idiots, but at least they have conviction.
1: But the thing was, he wasn't trying to secede or create his own micro state. He just wanted to be the ruler of the current state. Yeah, but if he wants, if he considers himself the legitimate ruler of America, then therefore
0: the current government is illegitimate. I guess. Yeah, but he was. So he pushing... should like he should be refusing to go to court. He should be refusing to get a driver's license. He should be refusing to pay taxes.
1: You know. Yeah. No, but he didn't, as far yeah. as I know. Yeah. Although he did issue his own currency. He did issue his own currency. I'm looking at a picture of his currency now.
0: It's it's interesting. Let me look it up. Shop it's stuff. got uh, it's got like a woman in like a sort of Spartan hat with like an American flag on one side, and then it's got like a little portrait of him on the other. Uh, it says promises to pay the holders hereof to the sum of fifty cents in the year eighteen eighty, with the interest of seven percent. Hey, seven cents per interest on fifty cent uh, bills. That's not bad at all. $0.07 cents per annum from date. Oddly, and
1: enough, oddly enough, he... So he didn't.
0: To- so he didn't even treat it like a currency. He treated it as, like, gold or something, where it, like, appreciates in value. I guess. He was trying to deflate his own currency. That's <laughs> so cool. Interestingly enough... This guy, the level of economics this guy w- would have done if he had any power would have
1: been amazing. Oh, I'd have loved to see it. <laughs> Interestingly enough, he referred to himself as Norton the What did you say? He referred to himself as Norton the first, which is weird because most monarchs go by their first name
0: yeah that is weird. maybe it was because it sounded maybe it's because Norton sounds less Jewish than Joshua
1: I guess, but I feel like I've met I've met non-jewish people named Joshua really I don't think I ever have really yeah Joshua is just a biblical name in general I feel yeah, true yeah Josh Hawley?
0: that's true he's not Jewish
1: yeah. <laughs> what well, was going to say uh No this was a fun episode. Yeah, fun little quick one for you listener. Yeah. This was going to be what? This is what about an hour?
0: Yeah, probably like 45 minutes.
1: Hmm. Anyway, uh this has been running on a post. I'm Gabe. Who are we doing next week or do you want me to take it? Eh, you can take it. Okay. All right. I'm Gabe and I'm Rose. And this has been it. Thanks. All right. See you next time, listener.